ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Opera After Dark. All about badass women. It's gross. Sassy. It's gross. We're just talking because nobody believes that this is a thing, and I'm I didn't make this up. They're called ASMR videos where it's it's always a woman, I think, is like gently whispering. Um and it's like a sexual thing. People get off on it. And these two are acting like I made the whole thing up. <laughs> and it's like my own particular, you know, brand of perversion. I'm like spreading it to the masses, which is not true. This is a thing. And Naomi just did it. And it creeped me out. And that's why we're talking about it. I'm Whatever. I'm so sorry. It's I'm fine. so sorry. So we haven't done this what? in. No, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, why did it creep you out? Well, whispering creeps me out. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> like because you have another another connotation. With no, it's just like oh. imagine. No, no, no. <laughs> no, just imagine. It creeps me out because it makes me think that somebody is right behind me and they're like leaning over and they're about to whisper in my ear and that freaks that freaks me out. I don't care for it. I don't care mm. for it. I don't like it. All right, all right. Okay, okay. All right, so we are talking about um, some badass women today. And before we do that, I'm actually going to tell you a little bit about the wine we're drinking. We haven't done this in so long, I, I know. feel like. But Naomi found this amazing bottle of wine, and so we just want to talk about it super briefly. The wine is called Middle Sister, <laughs> um, and it is a Cabernet from California. I'm going to read the back to you now. Have you ever dated brothers? <laughs> <laughs> I was not <laughs> I was not expecting it to start like that. Oh, Worn leather okay, pants to a wedding, paired white wine with red meat. <gasps> and you just might be a mischief maker. You keep us up after bedtime on a school night. You change your hair color like most people change their socks. You make lives more complicated but less boring. You'll be in the stories we tell our grandchildren. You love trouble. And we love you. So it's like nothing oh about the wine, gosh. but that's that's the whole that's the whole back thing. So cheers to all the the middle sisters women out there, and all well, the middle and, sisters, and, of which Naomi is one, which is why she chose this wine. Yes. Have you worn leather pants to a wedding? I can't say that I have, but maybe I need to start. Maybe. Maybe. We Wait, shall so see. In, in clarifying, Naomi is a middle child, but an yes. only sister, right? Yes. I guess that's true. She's not technically a middle sister because she's the only girl. That is true. But our woman of the hour today, I believe, is a middle sister. Oh. Who are, oh. Who are we talking about today? Well, Excellent segue, by the but way. But before, well, that was partially what inspired my wine choice. Mm. But before I reveal her name to you all, I'm going to, we're going to start with a quiz. <gasps> A quiz. Which okay. is mainly for Kyle because I know that Elspeth is going to get this in like five seconds. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, I'm going to sing you something which you probably have heard in any Music 101 history course, especially if you, you used... You would think. <laughs> <laughs> that Kyle would know. <laughs> okay. If anybody actually used the Norton Anthology of Western Music or the textbook series written by Grouch, you will know this. Also, if you were a singer in your undergrad and familiar with the anthology of 24 Italian songs and arias. 
<laughs> so Kyle. So I did I did all of these things and I'm extremely confident that I will not know. <laughs> but please, please sing it for me. Alright, I'm gonna sing you the first line. And then you have to tell me the name of the piece and who the composer is, if you have any mm-hmm. guesses. Ready? Mm-hmm. non credo il del mio cor, dolce di That's so pretty. Thank you. I- Gosh, I I do know this. Well, uh-huh. I know I I recognize the the song, but gosh, I do not know who the composer is. All right, so Elspeth? what's the name of the song, Kyle? I literally uh, just sang it. Isn't it? It's the whatever the first words. If I tell no, you that, I'm gonna no. give you the name of the you song. You should pay attention. Naomi sang a beautiful I, song. You weren't even listening. I was listening to the beauty of the voice. Oh, oh and not the text. Rather than the text. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Well. Well, now now that we know that I know nothing, Jon Snow. <laughs> Elspeth? It's called Amarilli Mia Bella. Si, si. Si, si. Amarilli, my beautiful one. And it is by? Francesca Caccini. Her dad. Her mm. dad. Whose yeah. name is Giulio. Julio. <laughs> Giulio Caccini. Okay. All right. So, yes, indeed, our woman of the hour is Francesca Caccini. Francesca. Which, sadly, uh, most people know her father much better than her because of this work, Amarilli Miabella, which is in, like, every Italian songs and aria anthology yes. that every young singer mm. ever comes across. Yep. And, I mean, it is beautiful, so he was obviously a wonderful composer himself, mm-hmm. but his daughter was far more fantastic than him, and we're going to find out why. Yes, tell us. All right. So, Francesca Caccini is born, or was born, I should say, in 1587, mm-hmm. so that places her, like, before the turn of the century into the 1600s kind of right on the cusp of the renaissance and baroque era and also predates baroque Mm -hmm. yes predates baroque and also she was right in the thick of it when opera was founded as an art form dang as a composer or like a participant as many things she was a very prolific composer. She was also a very well-respected singer. And she mm. played many instruments, including the lute mm. and other stringed mm. things. But the lute, I think, was her main the thing. Sack butt. Did she play the sackbutt? Love butt? a good lute. <laughs> I don't recall ever <laughs> reading that she played the sackbutt, but who knows? I mean, <laughs> Google you it. Know, I'm going to Google it. Do you know what a sackbutt sounds like? Horrible? I don't know. I'm, I'm actually asking. Isn't the sack butt like the thing? No, wait. I'm thinking of the hurdy gurdy, like the crank that you crank <laughs> while, you, while you play the keyboard part. Hurdy gurdy. If you Google sack butt, the first video that comes up is a sack butt ensemble. Wow. Of literally Dang. six dudes. Isn't the sack butt like an early bagpipe? No, it's like an early horn. Oh. Mm. I'm the worst hey, you know, as long as it's not the harpsichord, am I right? Shut up. 
So, not what I thought. They look like a bunch of trombones. They do look like trombones. Okay. Sorry. This is not as exciting as I thought it was going to be. All I right. Apologize. Well, I, I highly doubt that Francesca Caccini played the sack butt, mm-hmm. but who knows? <laughs> oh, it is an early form of trombone used in Renaissance music. Oh, well, there you go. Mm. Maybe she did. I'm sure she witnessed it being played, seeing as it was partially in her era. But anyway, she is a composer. She was a singer. She played the lute. She was also a poet. She wrote a lot of her own texts to the oh. music that she wow. composed. She was a Renaissance woman. Hey, <laughs> a Kyle joke, everybody. I know. I was gonna say out of my own joke book. <laughs> Da-dum, ching. She was known as La Cachina. That was her little mm. like nickname, mm-hmm. and she was known as one of the greatest singers of her time. She was. The daughter of Giulio Caccini, and we believe that he was the main person who educated her because he himself was a composer and a Renaissance man, so Mm -hmm, to speak. mm -hmm. But she really kind of like outdid herself in legacy compared to him, I think, because Mm. she became a very well-respected teacher, and she also is the first woman to write an opera that we know of. Oh, what's it called? It is called... It is called... La Liberazione di Ruggiero dal Isola d'Alcina. What's it about? It is based on... <laughs> the liberation of... Uh, oh, is it someone? the story of Alcina? <laughs> I'm not 100% sure. It's based on Ariosto's Orlando Furioso. Um, well, because like Ruggiero in Handel's Alcina is the guy that's captured by her. And he's the one that has to, like, that breaks away at the end and, like, his fiance comes to rescue him and stuff like that. I'm sure that that's probably, it's all related. Mm -hmm. Because it's from, like, pseudo-mythology ancient stories, right? Right, yeah, yeah. 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 Right. So, not to put you on the spot, but do we have a musical example from this opera? We do. Let's hold off just for a moment. I'm I'm so excited. Right. So this is why (laughs) she's so important because she is the first woman in documented history to write an opera. Mm -hmm. And most of the operatic music survives. And so we actually have this record of her. Mm -hmm. That's right. Did she get any pushback being a woman in the field or was it so new that they were just like, great? Well, it's interesting because... (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Because it's interesting because she was born into this super wealthy, well-respected family, the Caccinis, and they actually got their start. So I have written down in my notes before there were the Von Trapps, the Von Trapp family singers. (laughs) What? There was the La Donna di Giulio Romano, which was a family of singers that were all in the Caccini family. And so the Caccini family singers, the Caccini family singers. She got her start singing with her parents. Her half brother Pompeo, her sister, her sister Satimia, and possibly several other Caccini children. So she's like the. Hmm. What are the names of those kids? The Liesel. Brigitta. No, she's the Brigitta. <laughs> the Brigitta. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So they were like oh. hired to sing at a bunch of courts and such, mm-hmm. and then. Um, I'm Francesca. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Pompeo. <laughs> That's Gretel's part. Bad and well, Brigitte doesn't get anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Buonasera, <laughs> ciao bella. <laughs> 
Addio mia familia. <laughs> For the record, there is on YouTube the sound of music in Italian with Italian sub like dubbed translation uh-huh. yeah. in its entirety. So if you really want to see like oh, Julie Andrews and Andrew Plummer or Christopher Plummer like singing it's them but oh, then it, there's like dubbed Italian dubbed? oh fancy it's amazing Doe wait, a Deer wait, in wait. Italian is great man Christopher Plummer I think we need to pause to just hear a little mm. bit of the sound of music <laughs> in Italian yes please oh am I looking it up no I'll drop it in but, but it's like geez, Kyle do you want to hear it no no it's we can move on okay. I can imagine <laughs> All right. Las terras uh, sono vivo. <laughs> La sole. Well, what's the sun in Italian? The sole. La sole, il dormire. <laughs> <laughs> e io. Mio. Mm. Oh. Translation. <laughs> okay. That's German. Man. <laughs> Oh man, Naomi, your your Nona would be so upset right now. I know. Also, I did pass the Italian translation exam at school. I did too, and that was a mistake on their part because I feel like my Italian, <laughs> no, I feel like my Italian I can pronounce it just fine, but like my comprehension of it is not great. When I passed that exam, right. my Italian was like super sharp, but it's been oh, several yeah. years now. So, and if you don't practice every day, then yeah. you lose it. Yeah, you lose yeah. it. No, it's true. It's true. I know I, a I, lot I, of the I, like operatic words. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's I have true. an old voice teacher who speaks fluent Italian. Her husband is Italian. I'm thinking I should just like meet up with her and be like, I have no comprehensive knowledge of this language. We should like, will you teach me? <laughs> totally. For sure. But I feel that like that would be like awesome. a big burden on her. But like if I learned enough, we could just have conversations and that would really help with my Italian. I can read it and understand it, but I can't. My reading comprehension is much better yeah. than my Because I can take yeah. time with it and be like, okay. And also when you see it in front of you, then exactly, I feel like you have yeah. all of these like cognates and other words that remind you of the meaning. And so you're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, I can piece this together. But yeah. when you're just hearing it, it's a lot harder. But... I wish my I parents had, had just, like, sat me down when I was two and made me learn a bunch of languages, which mm-hmm. why would they have yes. done that? But I wish they'd done that. <laughs> Mother. I had many, many years of Spanish, and so that helps me with Italian, although sometimes mm-hmm. confused me. Mm. Um, but it's how I can remember some of the Italian now, but it's really not very good. I can still say my, like, days of the week and months of the year. Yeah. 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 And I, numbers. I feel like my ear for it is really good, and so that's sort of been the crutch that has gotten me through things without really knowing what I was doing, because I could hear <laughs> si, it. Certo. And like, yeah, exactly. I could hear it and then mimic it, but I didn't, like, understand what I was doing. Right. The American uh, educational yeah. system. I mean, I'm half Italian, so I grew up around it, so it feels super natural to me when I hear it. Right. And I can imitate the lilt of it and, like, the rhythm of the language, but... I'm still not that great in actually composing my own sentences. I'm near... It's impossible for me, basically. Mm. <laughs> but well, as evidenced by d- my inability to translate the sun has gone to bed and so must I <laughs> into Italian. <laughs> on this one spot. day, we will... Maybe like three years from now, we will record an entire Opera After Dark episode in Italian. Yes, we will. Let's let be a goal for us. We'll never release it. New life goal. A new life goal. Three, Three years from now, if we're still doing Opera 2020. After Dark. 2020. If we're yeah. still doing Opera After Dark, 
We'll do uh-huh. an entire episode in Italian. Done. Oh, shit. <laughs> you got three years, oh, man. Gosh. Come on. What have I done? What have you done? This is your idea. You can do it. <laughs> All right. Francesca Caccini. Okay. So. Von Trapp gets, Family Singers. She gets her start in like the Von Trapp Family Singers of mm-hmm. the late 1500s. <laughs> got it. Mm-hmm. Early oh, 1600s. so what are her dates? Sorry. 1587. Okay. To 1641. Okay. And she was a contemporary at the Florentine court. They were based in Florence. That's where they lived, the family. Nice. And so they were, Giulio Caccini was part of the Florentine Camerata, which was, was like the founding organization of the operatic art form, right? They believed mm-hmm. that the Greeks sung all of their plays instead of speaking them. Okay. And then so they wanted to imitate the art form of the ancient Greeks, and they came up with this idea of opera based on a sung storytelling theatrical stage work. We should do a whole episode. We should. The origin yes. story of opera. Yeah. Origins. Origin story. The origin story. All right, we'll do It'll that. Be but just for now, like all of the Marvel movies. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Chris Evans will be in them. Right. <laughs> and Chris Evans Chris can play Pratt Jacopo Perry. <laughs> I don't know who that is, but I'm down with it. Can he have a beard? Sure. All right, good, because I don't right. I don't care for it with, when he doesn't have a beard. Jacopo Perry was a member of the Florentine Camerata. Save it. Okay. So <laughs> Francesca. <laughs> Francesca was a contemporary of the Florentine Camerata. She worked for the Florentine court and also for the Medici family, who were super, super powerful. Oh, yeah. Time, right? And so she was actually hired by the Medicis in the Florentine court to be like a a musician in their court and so she was not just a singer but also she coached rehearsals mm-hmm. she composed works for new events that sort of thing she was a teacher of other pupils and she was a composer and apparently she actually performed for the king of france at this time she performed at a wedding that he was having with one of the medicis and then the king of france was like so incredibly taking with her he was named Henri, and just like mm-hmm. Elspeth's cat <laughs> <laughs> so king Henri of france at this time was incredibly taken with how amazing her singing voice was that he tried to hire her but the florentine court refused to let her go she was so highly valued Dang. by them and so she actually became, at this time, the most well-paid musician in that court. How much did Whoa. she make? She made, initially, her first salary was 20 scudi, and then it was doubled to, <laughs> sorry, 10 scudi was the initial offer, and then it was doubled within a year or so to 20 scudi. <gasps> 20 scudi! 20. I know, that, I was just going to say. L'elisir d'amore. L'elisir d'amore, yay! <laughs> 20 scudi! <laughs> Okay, so I spent a good half an hour this afternoon <laughs> trying to figure out what 20 scudi would mean in today's dollars. All right. What did you come up with? So the best or the highest estimate that I could find was approximately $1,200 today. Oh. Which is not and that, that was great. A year? Over what period? Per year. That can't be right. Right? I was like, how is it that this is what it comes down to? But there's so many possible, like, I'm sure it's because there's just no way of comparing the economies and the value right, of right, money right. at yeah. that time to today. So, like, well, we can for, compare, we can compare, like, the value equated to others. So she was the highest paid 
It's like being the highest paid musical artist today or the highest paid actress today. She's right. like the it's Beyonce of the 16th century. She really is the Beyonce of her time. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The, and so, or, or, or the Jennifer Lawrence, maybe. Yeah. You got, yeah. <laughs> no, I was like, is Jennifer Lawrence the highest paid actress? But yeah, that makes sense that she would be. Yeah. I think she is. I, I thought you guys just had a distaste for Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, like no. I, 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 Jennifer... If you're listening, I think you're great, and I'm glad that you're making so much money. <laughs> yeah. You should invest in the arts. <laughs> yeah. Please, 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 God. We'll, yes. We'll have her. We'll have her on the podcast and convince her to. Oh yeah, great, no problem. Yeah. To make a, a regular donation. Can I ask, since we're already segued? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, why? Why do you guys think that then there was so she? as a woman was the highest paid artist in the court and was so involved and a composer, a singer, why did things have to go backwards to then where women were excluded? I think she was in a very unique position. Mm -hmm. I don't think hers, I don't think her situation reflects what was possible for women at large at that time. Because if you think this is right bang around the time where like the castrati were beginning They're to beginning, find you know? a place on the opera stage right right so we're right smack in the time of you know women shall be silent women still could not they could definitely not sing in church at this time right but you're saying that she's a special case because she was born into a very famous fam- like musical family right. very affluent family they and could afford to educate her right they could afford to basically like display her as a virtuosic performer and right so she's not the norm no right no, definitely not do you know were the medicis in ever like in opposition of the church of the papacy that's really complicated because the medici owned the banks in florence at this time weren't the medici like the first like mob family kind, kind of? of but yeah. they were also like the first modern banking family as we understand it today uh-huh. and so gotcha. they had just a thought- bank which controlled a lot of the economy in Florence at this time but because of that they also had all these like super shady deals with the Pope Mm -hmm. right and then also had to make shady deals with other families in order to keep their bank the most powerful in the region and they went through a lot of turbulence with the public because they were seen as oh what is the word like corrupt no there's another word like they were accused of this all the time deviant no nepotism because wasn't this whole thing where I'm thinking of Lucretia Borgia, never mind. You are, but there's a great series on no, Netflix like, right now that's all about the Medici family and their early start as bankers in Florence, and it's amazing. Naomi, that oh, is Oh, yeah, I need to watch trash. that. It's great. <laughs> it's great. It is trash. It is trash, but it's great. Okay. And there's a word they keep using in this series to describe the Medici family, like, basically making a profit off of people, which was seen as mm. very a very contentious practice at this oh, time. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, oh. so they owned the banks, and because of that, they financed a lot of the arts and the court mm-hmm. at that time. And um, so and even, even if it wasn't widely accepted, they could make their own rules and hire Right, women. so she was, like, backed by the most powerful yes. family in that city. She was. Yeah. Yeah, and she worked at their court and was employed by them. She also 
published a collection of songs, which is also like she's one of the first women to publish okay. a collection. It was called Il Primo Libro della Musica. Mm. So, like the first book of music. Um, right. And it ranged quite significantly in the styles that really it really showed off like her versatility as a composer. Mm-hmm. And this is also around the time for like music history nerds listening. This is around the time that Monteverdi is also very active at this time, right? Like he writes mm-hmm. Eurydice and L'Orfeo, I think in like L'Orfeo 1607 or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's like around within the first decade of the 1600s. And he's also writing treatises about like modern harmony. And this is also around the time where tuning systems are changing and people are, you know, playing with the idea of different temperaments and tuning and Mm -hmm. harmony and what that means. And so there was kind of competing styles like the the old style of music and the new style of music that was quite contentious. So she showed her versatility in all styles and uh, which was part of why she was considered so prolific because she could just like adapt and change to whatever was thrown at her. So Hmm. La Liberazione, which is the first opera by a woman, mm-hmm. was basically performed for the first time for the visiting crown prince of Poland, Ooh. whose name I will not even try and pronounce. Try. Try? Do you want me to try? Yes. <laughs> right here. Uh, Ladislaus Sigismondo, later uh. Vladislaw IV. See, it's not that hard. That sounds not bad. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. Perfect. Yeah. In one go. There you go. I'm practically Polish. I'm practically Polish. I got that ear, man. Yep. And it was so beloved by the prince of Poland mm-hmm. that this mm-hmm. is believed to be the first Italian opera to be performed outside of Italy because he brought it back to Poland with him. What? Dang. Shit. Yeah. So I think we should listen to some of it. Yes. All right. La Liberazione. Liberazione. You can find lots of clips of it on YouTube. There's actually one that's like a performance of it that's fully staged. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll listen nice. to a few excerpts kind of back to back so you can get a flavor. Sorry, Kyle, it's super Baroque sounding. I don't think you're going to like it. Oof. But I actually, after we listen, I have something to say in the matter of, of Baroque <gasps> music. Okay. But let's, let's listen. Right. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, the first opera that we know of to be composed by a woman. <gasps>
Kyle, you had something hey. to say about Baroque music? Well, first of all, after listening to that clip, I can dig it. I can dig it. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. But I thought you might be interested to know that recently I watched a uh, collection of Handel scenes being performed. Mm-hmm. And going into it, I thought I was going to hate it, like, with a passion. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think because it was mostly duets, a uh, trio, and a quartet, and there wasn't so much just recit, mm-hmm. it actually was quite nice. It, the music was beautiful, and it was sung oh. very well, and it was um, it was a lot of soprano, uh, mezzo, pant roll duets. Mm-hmm. Is there something and, that really like jumped out at you? Um, no, and seriously, they all like they do all run together. It started to feel like I was watching the same thing over and over again, but okay. a, a really pretty something over and over again. There and some of them are really obscure. Um, mm-hmm. like there was one from uh, Cersei, there was one from Sosarme, one from Orlando, which mm-hmm. I, I have never seen these operas. Most people haven't. And so it's hard to keep them distinct. Right. Right. Uh, but it, it is very beautiful. And actually, maybe it really is just a vendetta against the harpsichord specifically rather than... What is your damn problem? Baroque music. That's the harpsichord. I, I don't want to get into this with you right now. That secco wretched, uh, the dry recitative, is, it sucks. I think like, it can be beautiful. It's I just agree so... that like too much of it can become grating, but I think when it's yes. done well, it's it's just ingenious and like a singer can really bring it to life. I That's think. true. I also I think for me in moderation. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have like minutes at a time of just what to me feels like the same pattern of recit over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And right. then, and then the aria and or the duet, it, it it is glorious, but getting between it is painful sometimes. All right, and that's Moving my up. that's my opinion. I know I, I really on. need to to just grow up and let it go. But I'm, uh, I'm glad to hear you've grown a little bit in your love <laughs> it's of a, baroque opera. It's a work in progress, guys. Mm-hmm. But moving on, more about Francesca. Okay, well. So La Liberazione was not the only stage work that she wrote. Mm-hmm. Throughout her entire life, she ended up writing 16 different works for the stage. Oh, wow. They were a combination of, like, some of them were opera. Some of them were, like, incidental music for other, you know, intermedi, intermedi, or other, like, types of stage entertainment. But she's quite prolific. And then she also had a really interesting personal life in addition to all of this, mostly in that she married her first husband, and then he died in 1626, and then very, very quickly she married somebody else in 1627. So, yeah. Did they they conspire to murder her first husband? Is that what happened? I don't think so, because (laughs) then the second husband died fairly quickly. Is she a murderer? I don't think so. I think she just had like incredibly bad luck with like well, the so men that time. <laughs> Black Widow baby. Pe- people were just dropping like flies. Well, there was the bubonic plague, which was a problem. Mm. I mean, it did interrupt some of her own <laughs> career. Right. The bubonic plague. And Bring so... out your dead. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yes. 
Or in Italian, Naomi. What's that? How do you say bring out your dead in Italian? Oh, jeez. Il morte! Bring out. I don't know what bring out is. That's fair. That's fair. Oh, man. So um, do you think, uh, question, I'm sorry, let me know if I'm asking too many questions, but. No, go for it. Do you think because she actually had a fair amount of output in the way of opera and it was successful in her time, do you think she would be talked about more now if she was a man? Maybe. Hmm. I mean, she is heralded amongst music historians as a really important figure. Yeah. But I don't know. It's hard to say like she, because... She was the first internationally heard yeah. opera composer. Yeah, for sure. In, in a way. not Yeah. yeah. The, the first person whose opera was performed in more than one country. That's huge. Yeah. That's amazing. And like it went all the way to Warsaw, Poland. That's quite far. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I just, I, I feel like when you have this broke revivalism that has taken place since like the latter part of the 20th century, I wonder mm-hmm. if she was a man and maybe she would have been better documented and more celebrated like a Monteverdi or someone of the like. I do think that her legacy was not really discovered until much later than a man of equal position might have been at the time. Because, like, we all know Giulio Caccini, her father, as part of the Mm -hmm. Florentine Camarada and that type of thing. And she... She also seemed to have like a decline in her professional career because after mm. her second marriage, when her husband died, she tried, by the time she married again or during her second marriage, she actually left the Florentine court and was working oh. mainly as like a freelance composer, for lack of a better word, and mm-hmm. teacher, that type of thing. And then after her second husband died, she tried to get a job again with the Medici's, but I think that's when the bubonic plague prevented her from doing so. Oh. Not she didn't get the plague, but like all of the economic difficulties caused by the plague really made it difficult for her. And then instead she ended up I think going into a convent or something like that and she did have a daughter, Margarita, who was went on to be a pretty well-known singer as well. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. she taught her daughter and she also became like a private teacher to some of the Medici children in Florence at that time. So even though she wasn't actively like involved or on the payroll of the court as a musician, she was still, you know, doing things uh, as part of, uh, I guess, making money, but not so Mm -hmm. much in the public eye. And so she did this. And then in 1641, all of a sudden she just like disappears from all public record. So that's why there is a little bit of debate, like exactly when did she die? How did she die? That sort of thing. That's weird. So I think that kind of shows you how she kind of just fell off everyone's radar and fell off Mm -hmm. of all public records. And that does damage to a person's like legacy and ability to kind of, you know, immediately start fanning the flame, fame of flame of fame after you die. Right. Yeah. So say say that five times fast. Yeah, fanning I don't, the I don't flame think of I fame. could. <laughs> fanning the flame of fame. Yes. So yeah, I well, think that's that, too bad. But she was in, 
incredibly important in music history. And I think it's also interesting to kind of contrast the life that she led, born into this very affluent family as a legitimate daughter. The opportunities that she had were a little bit different mm -hmm. from Barbara Strozzi, who was born not that far away from her into a similarly affluent family, but was essentially a, an illegitimate or bastard daughter, right? right? And so yeah. the, the life that Caccini led was very different than Barbara Strozzi. Well, should we listen to one more thing that she wrote? Should we play out to one more thing that she wrote? Sure, let's listen to, what do I have queued up here? I have um, maybe uh, Nube Gentile, which is a song by her. She wrote a lot of song for like female solo with lute or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but something nice. I will say, if you look up her bio on Wikipedia or bit, pretty much any textbook on music history, you're always going to see this portrait of her where she's like holding a lute and she's in this yellow dress and it's kind of like the one portrait we have of her. Mm -hmm. But in actuality, we don't know for sure if it's her. We know that oh. the portrait is called the mm. lute player. Gotcha. And we know that the artist was a friend of the Caccini family, but we're not 100% sure if the woman in the photo or in the portrait is actually Francesca or if it's somebody else. But the best guess of historians and uh, researchers is that the woman in the portrait is her. So okay, if you look her Interesting. up, the woman in the yellow dress is holding it? the lute is maybe Francesca La Caccina, <laughs> the, so the songbird, I think. So... Mm -hmm. Nice. So we're going to play out to a little nube gentile. Gentile. What language are we in? I don't even know. Gentile. Italian. Nube gentile. Um, she wrote mostly in Itali to Italian poetry, but sometimes Latin because sometimes she wrote things based on sacred texts. Right. So, yeah. Well, so listen to a little bit of that, and I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm Elspeth. I'm Naomi. And I'm Kyle, and this has been another episode of Opera After Dark. Yay! Bye! Thank you.